Publishing for Profit podcast is brought to you by Ghostwriters and Co. Earn more money by publishing better content and learn how to increase your thought leadership so you can build your brand. Head over to ghostwritersandco.com for more information. That's ghostwritersandco.com. And now, your host, Joel Mark Harris. Hello and welcome to the Publishing for Profit podcast. This is your host, Joel Mark Harris. Today we are talking to Aaron D'Souza, who is a dating coach for women. Aaron talks about his entrepreneurial journey, how he started his business. We talk a lot about the skills you need to find the perfect date. And although that may seem like a very strange subject to talk about on this podcast, it's actually very applicable to wherever you are in life and business. As you will hear, Aaron has a stutter, which he has he has battled since he was, he was at an early age. He joined Toastmasters to overcome his social anxiety and to become a better communicator. One of his highlights was to speak in front of over 300 people. So as you can tell, he uh, became quite an effective communicator. Uh, Aaron's words will surely inspire you and they will help you in whatever challenges that you are facing in your journey today. Uh, so without further ado, here is I talk with Aaron. Aaron, thank you so much for being on the show. How are you? I'm great, Joel. Thank you for having me on here. Yeah, it's great to reconnect after... Yeah, I don't know. It's been it's been a while, and I was kind of thinking back to like because I've known you. I mean, I feel like I've known you forever. Um, <laughs> but no we uh, we met at Toastmasters, which we will be talking about later, um, right. and some of the fond memories there. But That's I want to start off with your with your your dating coach, <laughs> and so I want to you know I don't know honestly I don't know much about I've never hired a dating coach although I probably could have used one back when <laughs> I was single. But um, yeah, what is what is a yeah. dating coach? Uh, I would say a uh, dating coach has three main uh, features. I think the uh, first one. If, if someone has reached out to them uh, saying that, you know what, we have some, some challenges in our dating life, um, the three main features of a uh, dating coach are one, the need to identify what the challenges are, uh, not just, uh, just at the surface level, but at a deep level because everyone is unique so the f- first one is identifying their challenges and what they want the second big feature of a uh, dating coach is how they help their client develop skill because dating is about developing skills right to to ultimately get what you want uh, so that's the second feature. And the third feature is doing their best to make sure that the client gets the result, right? Because that's the, the ultimate goal of any coach, whether it's dating or sports or whatever field uh, that you're in, the goal of the coach is to help you get a result. So those three features, I'd say first one, to help the client 
identify what they want and what their challenges are. Second is to help them build skills uh, that will help them get what they want. And the third is to help them make sure that they actually get what they want. So those three features make up what a good dating coach does. Yes, you always need to get the results in any, <laughs> yeah, anything really. So, yeah. yeah, what can you walk me through? Like, what is a typical client? Like, if if a because I know you work primarily with women or exclusively with women. If a woman comes to you and says, "I need help in this in my dating life. I'm not getting anywhere." What does that process look like? I have. Uh uh overall set process right so it's uh, four to two five steps depending on who i'm with um the first one is as uh i had mentioned getting to know the client or my friend because i've uh, uh mostly been been coaching my female friends over the past few years it's getting a very clear understanding of what they want and what their challenges are. So as an example, uh, a big challenge that many of my female friends have shared with me is that, oh, uh, we're part of this social group and there's this guy that we, we, we like, but we, he has not made any, he has not taken any action to ask us out for a first date. And now it's been months and we still like him. What should we do? So that's a, a very basic one, um, and then my uh, my goal now is to to help them build skill. So that's mm. the 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 second step is to help them see that you know what it's totally fine for you to actually be the one to go up to them and be like you know what I'd like to meet you for uh, coffee or lunch or f- phone call, and that's actually quite a big step for most women because. Um, they believe that it's the man who has to make the first move. So it's my job as a coach to be like, no art that that may have worked in the 50s and 60s, but now we are in the 2010s. <laughs> this is now the year uh, 2021. The rules have changed, and you can can go up and be and and uh, be proactive. Mm-hmm. Um, and then the and then now the goal is to keep up with this process right it's not a a linear process Um, some women progress faster than others but the goal is to now keep uh, identifying sticking points develop skills and make forward progress towards the ultimate goal which could be uh, getting into a relationship i think for for me, the hardest point would be getting clear on what you really want, because I think it sounds easy, but it is the, probably the biggest hurdle to me, at least. And, and obviously you, you might have a different um, opinion and seeing, uh, you know, through your coaching, you might have seen something different. But for me, at least, it seems like the biggest challenge is like getting really clear about what you want. Like, do you want, like, do you really, really want that, you know, three bedroom, you know, mansion on the seaside (laughs) with the 3.4 kids, you know, right? Like, I think, I think that your process is, is amazing 
because we all think that we aren't the same thing, but we, when we dig deep, uh, we realize like, actually that stuff doesn't really matter to me all that much, or maybe it really does. I don't know. But, um, and then you, I guess, you know, working backwards from that. So can you, how, like, how do you, you know, cause I think people give that stock answer. Oh yes. I want the big house. I want the family, but I think, you know, cause we have such societal pressures on us that the, like, especially with women, they must have kids, right? That seems to be a, a common theme in society, but probably a lot of women, they're probably, you know, and, and I'm just kind of speaking from my own experience and you have mm-hmm. obviously a lot more experience in this than I do, but, you know, how do you get deep into what they want and find out what their true nature actually is? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, one thing I've found with women in particular uh, is that a lot of them know what they don't want. Mm, <laughs> so they're actually very clear. I've heard now so many women say, you know what, I, I'm very clear on what I don't want. So I usually start from, 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 from there. I was like, okay, fine. You seem so, so clear on what you don't want. Uh, let's start with that. So let's build that list. Um, uh, let's say she says that I don't want a uh, guy who lives with his parents. Simple. We start from mm-hmm. there. Uh, I don't want a guy who does not work full time. Mm-hmm. Right. So now uh, we've got some clarity. Um, and now sometimes it's the opposite of what they don't want. Okay, fine. You don't want a guy who lives with his parents, but do you, uh, uh, is it fine if he lives with roommates? And then, then they're like, no, we don't want that. And then, okay, so what do you want? Then they say, okay, fine. I want a guy who lives on his own, <laughs> right? So now we've got some more uh, clarity on that. And now we could, could definitely go deeper. Do you want a guy who's renting? Um, a guy who's uh, who has a mortgage so you can go deeper and deeper and deeper until they're like you know what yes I do want a guy who has a mortgage that will be paid off in 40 years (laughs) right so you could go (laughs) Uh, so that's that's um, a good way of doing it is just try to flip what they don't want into what they do want. And I've found that the role of a coach is to hold that space for them to just think out loud, right? And once they, they get on that, um, on that flow of verbalizing, then I just keep on going deeper and deeper and deeper until they have a strong emotional response. And then we know that, you know what, they've reached sufficient clarity on that point. So we, we do this with health, career, finances, vision, hobbies, uh, fitness, travel, um, the major parts of life. We go through this list and figure out what they want in, in all of those major uh, areas. 
think that's amazing. Um, so I think this is a good segue. When I was doing some research for this podcast, I came across another interview you did where you had to go through that same process where you were working with a coach Correct. and they were saying, you know, and you were saying yes to all these social engagements that you didn't really care about and you weren't being true to your own feelings, it seems like. And so I think the saying no to what you don't want is super powerful and it doesn't matter if you're an entrepreneur or any you know anyone saying no to what you don't want is uh just yeah like i said super powerful and it really uh, like you said it clears the space to get what you want so can you talk about your your journey in in saying no and the power that gave you so my my journey about saying no, I will limit it for for now to dating because mm. uh, saying no is, is it is a big topic. Yeah. So uh, for now, a bit of a uh, quick background uh, about my uh, journey towards becoming a dating coach. I had my first relationship at 31 years old, so very late uh, compared to to any standards, and I think. Uh, society sees saying no as being bad uh, because saying no means that you're being selfish, right? And being selfish is frowned upon because, you know what, we as human beings, we want to be generous, right? Which means saying yes, saying yes, saying yes, and not saying no until, uh, in my case, you say yes to, it wasn't just what I did not want, it was what I, I could get. So those two things are like are close cousins. Um, people settle for what they can get, right? So uh, in, my, in my social circle and through the uh, avenues that I was using to meet women on dates, there were, were certain uh, matches that, I didn't really feel it, right? I did not feel it. I was like, yes, you're a great friend, but I don't want to, to, to take this further into dating. But I would fall into that trap multiple times, right? I'd be, be like, okay, fine, she's here and she seems uh, f- friendly. Let's keep hanging out with her, <laughs> right? And now you're, you're, you're in this space where you're not sure if you're just being friends, or if there's something more, but to me, it was just the matter of, it's what I could get. I was like, okay, fine, she's here. She's not uh, feeling threatened by me. She doesn't think that I'm uh, some creep. So just, uh, just keep that going because it felt better than, than not having anything, right? So I wasted, um, I wouldn't say wasted, but, my ability to not say no to what I could get and, and what was easily accessible, it really meant that I didn't make use of a big chunk of my 20s. That's when at 30, I was like, you know what, this clearly is not working and I, I have to, to raise my standards and that then led me to my coach and then the whole um, 
the standard of saying no to what you don't want, even when it's fairly easy to get. And so when did that clear the way for you? It cleared the way in terms of social space and in terms of just time. You know what I mean? I mean, uh, if you're going to, to to say yes to things that you just can get, but you don't re- really want, it's time. It's time to dress up. It's time to actually go, go somewhere. It's time to actually really uh, talk and you're investing your mental and emotional energy, which are not, uh, which are resources that do get depleted, right? So if you're investing so much of your time and energy into meeting uh, a date that you know will never go beyond just friends, that takes away from investing that same time into meeting someone who could be 10 times more compatible. Mm. And so can you talk a little bit about how you got how you got started into the profession? Because like I said, I don't know much about the profession. I don't think, you know, I don't really know any dating coaches. So what drew you to the profession? And how did you get started? I got uh, started by first hiring my own coach, right? So the uh, in a, when I, I turned 30, I was like, you know what? Uh, I haven't got the results that I wanted. And now I do want to get the results. So I, I hired this coach. His name is Alan Roger Curry, based in the US. And I've been following his work for some time, but he was extremely provocative, right? He was that one coach which went completely against the, the conventional advice. And mm-hmm. I was like, you know what, I, I've, uh, I've followed the traditional and conventional coaches. Uh, I haven't tried him and he seems, he seems super provocative and uh, edgy, but uh, let's give him a go. So that was my uh, first start uh, after a few months of Skype coaching with them, I know I started seeing results. I started feeling way better saying no. I, f- I felt way better sharing what I wanted pretty much on the first date, right? And those were like very new things for me to actually share. You know what? I, um, I want to now date and I don't want to commit yet. And saying that on the first date uh, was, was very new to me. So once I started transforming. I think uh, women uh, in my my social circle picked up that I was doing something different. And through Toastmasters, I used to, to share my journey on stage, right? I used to use uh, examples of this coaching session that I, I had with my coach. So people knew that, you know what, I was pretty public about hiring uh, dating coach, which you don't hear many men say <laughs> that mm-hmm. you're actually working with a dating coach. So I think that that built up a trust in um, in women for for them to come to me now to be like, hey, uh, I need to ask you a question. I met this guy and blah blah blah. Uh, what's next? What's next? And this um, kept on 
on happening pretty regularly right so every month i'd say since the the august or september of 2017 every month i'd have one one woman from my social circle would come up to me and be like you know what we need your help and your help let's sit for coffee and and then they then they'd go into it or we we have this guy or we met this guy or i've been single for so long and i want to change that and then i think it was in the it was uh, early 2019 when one of my friends said you know what you actually give very good dating uh advice i i want to pay you <laughs> right so she just said yeah i just want yeah. to pay you some money <laughs> awesome, i want to pay you some money yeah mm-hmm. i said i don't know. Uh, you actually yeah you actually uh, save me a lot of time and you you clear up some confusion uh, so and we were just like uh, 50 bucks but you know to me i still now what she voluntarily paid me which is quite rare it's <laughs> quite rare <laughs> so that was the that was when i was like you know what this could be something that i could commit to and then it was at the end of 20 no it was the fall of 2019 when the sales contract I just abruptly uh, ended and I was like you know what what's next I was like oh you know what what's next might be just becoming a dating coach for women so that's mm-hmm. how that's how I got uh, started on this path uh, where it was was first hiring a coach for my 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 own life and then seeing women respond to that uh them seeing me transform and me uh getting that first relationship and the friend who paid me and then now we reached this point where it's my main business focus and so what is the difference between uh women and men in terms of dating and why did you choose to focus solely on women so one reason why i focused so uh, first um i will respond to the 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 question on why i focused on women and then i'll respond to the main differences <laughs> so my coach is exclusively a coach for men right so he uh, focuses mainly on men and his method uh, he spent decades to actually uh, perfect it and he wants to train his his coaches and to me it uh, seemed fair that i actually invest in his training so his um, he won't be ready to train men in his method for uh, at least the next year so to me i was like you know what um i will just refer men to him mm-hmm. so that's the agreement that we reached i was like um i want coach man i will refer them to him because he's now he's been doing this for the past like 30 years right mm. so he has way more he has way more experience coaching man so we did that and then i was like you know what i'll stick with the women because they've been they've been coming to me because 
I would have never thought I would have reached this point doing this work. But as I saw women getting results with my advice, I said, why not? So that's how um, I focus on women. But the future goal is to, to, to coach both men and uh, women. Mm-hmm. Okay. And now it comes to the differences. The so men, men are often told to be the ones who need to be more uh, uh, proactive, right? You have to go approach, 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 get rejected, get rejected, rejected. That that seems to be the the standard model until the one says yes, and you don't know how long that is going to to take. And uh, so, so that's one, one very conventional difference is that the woman waits for the man to come to her. What I've found that in the ones, in the relationships that I've had, that I've seen to be successful and in my own personal experience, the woman is, is, as much or sometimes even more proactive in that initial stage. And that was quite uh, startling to me is that the best matches is where it's more 50-50, is that the woman shows signs of interest um, and not just passively, but quite uh, uh, actively in uh, in in showing the man that that she wants to take this further in the r- romantic direction, yeah. So that's one difference that I was uh, pleasantly surprised to uncover is that it in the best matches it's more fifty uh, fifty. Yeah, interesting. And so, how I mean, dating life. I, I have a cousin who's single and uh, dating life has changed drastically with COVID, right? Because you can't obviously, or you're not supposed to, in many cases, not supposed to see anybody outside your household. So how do you, how, what sort of um, advice would you give to somebody who's dating now that we're in COVID times? Yeah. So my uh, first one is wherever you are, definitely, obey the restriction rules <laughs> wherever you're at. So that's step one, uh, because COVID is, I mean, uh, we really need to respect um, it and what it can do. But there have been a lot of benefits because I have been quite active on the dating sites myself uh, oh. during these past 12 months. and. I would say uh, leverage it to your benefit. I think uh, phone calls, definitely uh, pick up the phone to get to know someone. I think uh, phone calls are great at preventing distractions because it's just voice to voice. You don't have to animate your whole uh, uh, physical self. So I think uh, practice getting to the point, right? I think uh, one of my favorite questions to ask a uh, woman on the phone is, what do you want? 
what do you want? You're on this site and you've mentioned these things on your profile, share some more, uh, share some more specifics. And this is what I tell my clients to uh, ask the man what he wants within the first five minutes. Like uh, don't, don't think that you need to build up this whole uh, buffer of fluff talk, you know, about work, about travel, about this, about that. I mean, <laughs> that, that, you just uh, end up wasting so much time. So uh, use this chance now that you're home uh, to develop your conversational skills. Build some courage by asking the very important questions. And uh, if you're more comfortable using Zoom or Skype for a virtual date, but you actually see them on video, do that. Yeah, and uh, uh, one thing that um, uh, most people don't use enough is uh, virtual speed dating. That's, uh, that's okay. actually a great way to actually meet like six to eight singles in the, the span of 60 minutes. And, you know, the, the speed date is just five to six minutes long, but it's a great, great way to meet um, a bunch of new people who are there for the purpose of dating. Mm. Oh, well, yeah, mm-hmm. I didn't think about that, but that's, mm-hmm. yeah, good advice. Yeah. And how about, yeah. see, you know, with um, entrepreneurs, um, especially, you know, they're, they're so, you know, work is, is so, you know, it's involved and it's, you know, they're so much in their building their business and they're working long hours. What advice would you give to entrepreneurs who still want to build the business, but are also trying to date and find a life partner? I would say first, uh, give some deep thought about your journey, say five to 10 years, right? Mm-hmm. And just think about what you want um, that journey to look and, and feel like with a partner and without, right? So think deeply because you, you can end up regretting putting so much time into your business and having a very unbalanced and unfulfilling life. If now you spend five to 10 years putting so much time into your business, and then you've, you've had this beautiful, important part of our lives, our, uh, our uh, happiness, our emotional health, sex, uh, romance depends so much on, on, having these romantic partners. And I've found that they really help balance out and help us make better decisions in our businesses because we just feel better, right? And we have to like, we have to, to, to manage our time better because we cannot spend uh, 12 to 16 hours per day for like years. Uh, when you, you have a partner, so, I really think that uh, entrepreneurs need to have a very good response to why they don't want a partner, which is not the standard, I don't have time for it. I think that's a very lazy response. That's very, it's 
cliche it's lazy it's the it's a response which does not get you so far and from what i have seen those ones tend to not have long term sustained success they burn out right they burn out because relationships are a very key fo- uh, and foundational part of our lives right it's a uh, similar to health i mean word and entrepreneurs say that you know what i just want to not focus on my health and uh, fitness for the next 5 years it just makes no sense it makes no sense you wouldn't ignore your health for the next 5 years because you have so much time to put into your business it just seems so ridiculous right and so to me uh, saying that you know for uh the next 1 to 5 or 10 years you don't want to focus on a relationship it sounds as ridiculous as saying that you don't want to to focus on your health and and fitness for the same amount of time yeah and i think going back to the question about asking what you want say like in the first date or you know like in the first couple minutes of uh talking to somebody i think that's really key because it really does get to the heart of the matter and i'm curious are people when you ask that question uh, are people taken back by it because i think we are used to as a society to the small talk about yeah talk about the weather for the first 5 minutes and talking <laughs> about sports teams right so have have you had real good success with that question so there's a, a two part response to that so the the first one is that uh, making a significant change to how you you date is a skill mm-hmm. right so the first uh, this took me a good one year right a good one year to develop the skill of being able to change my entire dating uh, strategy so say for the, the first 3 months the first 3 to 4 months of those 12 months i was pretty bad <laughs> so it was pretty bad right so in the first it takes practice uh, so, like anything yeah, right? then yeah. you go right so for the first 3 uh, to 4 months i'd be like hey you know what uh, what do you want and they like and they'll be like tell me this this pause right she would be like oh this is you you would know you would, you would feel it she's like oh this is just so abrupt right yeah. there was no like uh, build up to it i would just be like hey or i would just like uh, transition to what do you want and then she's like oh yeah i just want a nice guy who makes me laugh or the blood be a super vague response so the first uh, four months were weren't that graceful but this is fine because it's a new skill right you have to give yourself that uh, you have to give yourself a break to realize this is a very new skill and it won't be that good but but mm. that's fine because now at uh, in the last three months of the of that 12 month period i was now much much better so now now the woman would not respond with um with this feeling of oh this, this guy seems to be a really amateurish now she would be like oh wow 
this guy really knows what he wants. He really knows how to date, right? Because now I would ask the question in a much more graceful manner. So yes, it would still be like five to 10 minutes into a first date, but now it would be a very smooth transition. I'd be like, hey, you know what? What do you want? And and then, yeah, the, it, would just, it was just a completely different different reaction both on the mental and emotional levels and now a very different response from her too yeah mm. and so would yeah, you so. get a better quality answer as well because i mean uh, yeah absolutely mm. absolutely because now i was owning my own space and I gave her that space too, right? And this, you can, you only reach that level once you've had that deliberate practice, right? So this was a full 12 months, right? So now I could, could hold that space for her to give a much more thoughtful response than the generic, you know, at all, I want a nice guy who has a good career and makes me laugh that's the that's the, the worst response you could get <laughs> right it's so vague it's so vague yeah. uh but now now that i could hold the space and sometimes i would i would ask them further questions so what do you mean by good career mm-hmm. or uh, do you want to date an employee or do you do you want to date an uh entrepreneur because i'm clearly an entrepreneur and it's going to be a roller coaster ride if uh, we date so mm-hmm. it it reached it led to much deeper levels of sharing very fast which really surprised me so the quality of my dates now were like 10 times better than at the start of developing that skill mm-hmm. So you, yeah, you talk a lot about dating skills and I don't, I've never really thought about dating as a skill before. And a lot of people equate dating with sales skills. Uh, and that's a comparison mm. that we make a lot. Would you say those two skill sets are similar? Definitely uh, similar in that you're, I think, conventionally we we, we we both um, dating and sales are seen as good until you get to the point, right? Uh, in uh, terms of sales, right? And that point in sales, you get to the point of, do you want to make a uh, purchase, which involves your, your potential client spending money? Mm-hmm. Right. So sales is fine until you reach that decision point. Do you want them to, to go from, to go forward with the sale or not? And that's sort of the 80% of what makes sales uncomfortable or frowned uh, upon is that decision point similar with dating. It's uh, uh, all fine uh, for uh, speaking about travel, work, this, that, 
it's all fine until it comes to that point of do you want to meet on a second date do you want to now go for sex do you want to do 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 you want to take that next step forward right so those are the the similarities between dating uh and sales it's all fine until that decision point <laughs> yes <laughs> until the closing point yeah until the closing, closing point absolutely yeah. the closing question what's next, what's next? Yeah. <laughs> and you are very afraid to hear no you're very yeah yeah you. you're very very afraid to 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 hear no because now well it's rejection right and rejection is such a big part of dating that you'd be so afraid of someone saying no no mm. i kind of dig to kind of dig a little bit deeper on that because i think absolutely. that's an important point because absolutely does just hearing no get easier because i you know obviously myself being an entrepreneur and hearing no a lot um it never gets easier. I still feel like that that sinking feeling in my chest of like, oh, I've been rejected. Even though, it, even if it's like a client I don't particularly want, it's weird. It's that feeling of, of yeah, of just being there. I'm not good enough, right? And I'm wondering if that gets easier with practice, or if there's a skill set you can learn in order to uh, to overcome that. Hmm. I think we could do an entire podcast. Yeah, we'll have to <laughs> have you back. Topic, Joel. Yeah, the rejection is such a big uh, topic. But let me share a couple of uh, of things that have really helped me turn it on its its uh, head so much so that when I get re- re- rejected, so now I'll just um, I'll limit it to dating. Uh, sometimes uh, rejection has has left me feeling better than um, uh, uh, yes. And what changed was was one thinking about how I was getting rejected. How do you get rejected? I found that when I wasn't upfront and straightforward with what I wanted. And say I go on these three dates, and now I haven't told her my true feelings, right? I haven't said, you know what? I think you're you're sexy, or I think um, you have a great mind, or whatever. As you feel when I I haven't shared that, and she has sensed that I feel that, and now she has has brought it up before I have. Right, so she says that you know what uh, we've, we've been on these few dates. I think you like me, but I don't like you. When she's the one who who makes that uh, first move, those have been the absolute worst. <laughs> those have been the absolute worst because now I was like, you know what, I I felt like like uh, sharing my true feelings with her from the very first date. Right, I, I really felt good with her. I really wanted to share them with her, but I did not. So if you get rejected because one, you knew what you wanted to say, 
but you delayed saying it and now the other person has sensed what you wanted to say and now they have said it before you did those are very very bad right so those i would say universally for men or women whether it's dating or sales uh, those are probably the worst because you have not exercised your courage to share what you want okay so uh, and now on the flip side when i would get re- rejected when i actually would share it you know what? um i think you're cute and uh, i'd like to to meet you on a uh, second date like saying this at the end of the first date and if she said no i would feel so much better now mm. right because i like i said what i wanted mm. right and of course it's uh, again dealing with re- rejection too is a skill right is a skill too right so for me the 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 first times i would say it and i would get rejected it wouldn't feel good but then you do this a few dozen times and now you've built up the skill you know like you know what it's fine because i shared my truth mm. i exercised my courage right and you feel good now you feel mm. good and the person uh, tends to reject you much more gracefully too right they are, they actually they actually give you a very good response right they actually they sometimes tell you why right because i think a, a bit part of the sting of rejection is that we don't know why right That's but true. it yeah. it why the point. person yeah. rejects exactly yeah. like because sometimes she's like you know what i'm just not ready that's it <laughs> like because so it might not have uh, uh anything to do with you right so to me that was i was like oh uh, so that's uh one big one is how you get rejected and then the second reframe was my relationship with rejection mm. this was a big one because now i'm not just thinking about the act of getting rejected because what what is my relationship with this thing called rejection right so um i've done a, a, a lot of journaling and to me i now see rejection as a very a compassionate friend i was like rejection says that you know what you you were bold you were uh, courageous and you're honoring someone's time right by 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 being direct right so i see my relationship with rejection as a very compassionate friend which is is here to have compassion for me and the person i share my true desires with yeah uh, you mentioned journaling is that something that you do often i do every single day mm-hmm. i do every single day uh, i see journaling is more a problem solving tool uh, more than a diary right so i think um i've used it so much all i've used it to 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 write down specific lines to use for for first day 
<laughs> I would actually write down a specific line. Smart, no, it's right? that's super brilliant. smart. It's a, yeah, it's a great it, tactic. Yeah. It uh, it may seem dorky or nerdy, but uh, it helps. It helps clarify your thinking. And to me, I've done this um, with uh, even choosing whether I want to to ask. Um, uh, woman out for uh, first date. I was like, do I want to ask her out for uh, first date? And sometimes the response was no. Mm-hmm. No, you <laughs> don't. So um, I definitely uh, encourage your listeners to definitely journal about like very basic questions. Mm. and see journaling as a skill too <laughs> it seems to be this it's the, the whole, theme right yeah. uh, the theme of this uh, everything seems to be yeah. a skill so yeah. journaling is a, a skill as well no so i want to shift to toastmasters because uh as i <laughs> alluded to that that's where we met yes can you talk a little yes, bit yeah. about your toastmasters journey sure I'm sure it's um, it's been a bit uh, obvious on this podcast that I do have a stutter, right? I sometimes pause, sometimes the words do not come out when I want them to. <laughs> uh, so I developed this stutter when I was nine was nine years old. So since nine, it was way more severe then. And from nine until 24, 25, um, so good 16, uh, 17 years, I really had a lot of social anxiety and um, this fear of just talking because I would not be able to spring a full, a full fluent sentence right there would be uh, 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 the like words seem just stuck so around 25 i was like you know what i don't want this started to hold me back because i do want to go into the world and uh interact with human beings and i do want to be able to talk to them right because we live in a social world right so at that point, I made the I made the choice that not whether I stutter or not, I'm going to go out, right? So it was this this greater goal of going out and being more social, and of course, dating was a big part because to me, I was so fearful of even going on a date because which woman would like would want to date a guy who stutters? And uh, movies, most movies I uh, I had watched till then, uh, stutterers in movies were like seen as total losers, right? They were complete losers. (laughs) So I was like, you know what? Uh, That was the perception I had of myself too. And then it was the King's Speech. The King's Speech was the first movie which really I really loved that movie it was so beautifully done and, and for like me being a, a stutterer it was just so beautifully done so it's one of yeah it was really short you know what uh, stutter does not define you right I think that was a big 
uh, lesson that I learned. And the same year that that movie came out, I also went through speech therapy. Mm. This was in, in 2010, in 2010. And, um, in, and since then I was like, yeah, um, I want to go out. I definitely want to network more. I want to date more. And then I was like, you know what? Let's take on a, a bigger challenge. Let's let's go on stage. And that's how I joined Toastmasters in 20. It was the the uh, August of 2013. But of course, I, I had been visiting Toastmasters clubs a few years uh, prior. But I, I finally made the commitment to join in the August of 2013. Yeah. Mm. So we talked a lot about fear before. I can only imagine the fear that you felt because I know I've done the same thing, but I think that with a stutter, it'd be so much more difficult. So how do you, how did you cope with that fear of coming from pretty much having that social anxiety all the way to talking in front of a large crowd. I think you uh, you know my drift <laughs> by, by now, Joe. It was a skill. <laughs> it was a skill again. <laughs> so uh, overcoming social anxiety was a skill, right? So it uh, started out with the I would say the, the speech therapy uh, clinic at the end of those 10 days, it was uh, 10 days with 10 hours of speaking very, very slowly so that you don't stutter. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Once you do like 100 hours of speaking so slow, you end up completely fluent. So I was completely fluent for the first time in my life, uh-huh. right? And see now, once I lower my rate, I tend yeah. to become much more fluent. <laughs> so I will, uh, I'll speak slightly at a uh, slightly lower rate from now on. Yes. So now this meant that, you know what, I had some more courage, right? So now I would go out for more networking events, I'd pick up the phone some more. So making uh, phone calls, I was deadly afraid because now I, uh, when I had to say my name, my name was was one of the most difficult words to say. I'd be like, I'm, and there'll be this long pause. Mm. <laughs> right? to, and they were like, oh, what's wrong with this guy? He's not saying, say, saying, uh, his name, then and then, and uh, sometimes I, w- I would have to spell it out, right? It's A A R O N, mm-hmm. and then, but that helped develop the skill of you know what, it's fine. So what if I stutter, right? So then uh, my courage reached the point where I was now I had, I reached the point where social anxiety did not hold me back from going out to a group like Dostmasters. Mm. So for three years from uh, 20, from the end of 2010 to the 
after the the August of 2013, I just uh, visited many Dostmatis groups, like 10 of them, right? Mm-hmm. I just go, let's go as a guest, simple. Now I reached the point in 2013 where I was like, you know what, let's commit to it. Let's let's give one speech, right? You could, you could, you can, can manage that. You could give one freaking speech, right? <laughs> I was like, just give one speech. And now I was surprised to learn that I was more fluent on stage than I was in a conversation. The reason why being is that stutterers, when they speak to themselves, they are mostly fluent. They speak very uh, fluently because there's no pressure, right? So to me, uh, my safe space over the years has been talking to myself, (laughs) right? Because uh, that's when I was uh, fluent. And now when I am on stage, it's similar to talking to myself because I don't have to respond. I don't have to change my rate. I don't have to go faster. I don't have to switch words. That's, that's one thing that stutterers tend to do a lot is switch words, right? So sometimes I want to use, say, the word car, but because I know that I will stutter on the, the word car, I'll say the word vehicle, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, so now when I was on stage, I didn't have to respond to someone speaking much faster. I could slow down, I could use uh, exactly the, the words that I had uh, prepared for. So I felt really good being on stage because I could be fluent on stage. And, and uh, you know too that, that public speaking gives you this high, right? It's, 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 it, it feels good. It feels good because you have these people who are on your side. Uh, that was a big reframe that um, and uh, Toastmasters is great because the people want you to succeed. So yes, there were speeches where I did stutter, but it was fine because the Toastmasters want to see you succeed. What are some, if any, unexpected skills that you uh, got from Toastmasters? since skills is uh, obviously a theme of this podcast. <laughs> it absolutely is. Uh, a big, I think a big uh, life skill is the skill of receiving feedback. That's a big, big one, right? Uh, you know, that's too, uh, since we were in the same Toastmasters group, Joel, every speech you give is evaluated. Mm-hmm. Right. Uh, sometimes you get the the feedback that makes you feel good. Sometimes you get feedback does that does not feel good. So, uh, sometimes you get uh, critical feedback that feels good. Sometimes you get you get great uh, feedback that does not feel good. 
so so you just go through this this whole uh, learning experience of how to receive feedback and how to discern the good feedback from the the bad feedback so that's one one a big part i mean it can use it for business use it for dating um you need to get feedback and you need to learn how to deal with it so over 7 years of being evaluated pretty much every uh, every single week right because every role and uh every speech gets feedback at uh toastmasters meeting uh so that was a very unexpected life skill that i think has made me a much better overall person right because we sometimes get unsolicited feedback right mm-hmm. and now i'm i'm much better skilled to deal with it and sometimes when it doesn't feel good i'd be like no that's just useless feedback so you become you become very good at uh, this relationship between you and your uh the critics what are some of your most favorite memories of toastmasters by far the biggest one was meeting my first uh, girlfriend mm. <laughs> that was a very that was a very unexpected uh result right so i won't name the club where we met because i definitely wanted to protect her privacy because we we are not in a relationship any longer but uh, meeting her i mean she was my first girlfriend um the way we met the first date the whole eight months was just um, a dream come true right so that was by far the biggest win uh, that was the first and i think that really set me on the path of becoming a dating coach for women because those masters i was part of a few different clubs right so i gave a, a lot of very deeply personal speeches on dating and my failures and um uh that actually works to build up a very deep level of trust with with people in general we yeah you just trust people who are willing to to, to share their uh, failures so uh that was the first one meeting her uh, the second one was a big speech i gave at the the Vancouver convention center on October 20th 2018 um that was on the topic of honesty in intimate relationships and um yeah that's a that was great because it really challenged me it challenged me on so many levels on just uh working with a coach getting feedback from a panel right uh, similar to what we just spoke about uh, giving your speech to many different crowds uh, getting really 
confused <laughs> during the process or oh, i don't know if i should give this speech am i here ready to give this speech you know you have the feeling of being an imposter right um and yeah uh the but i was really satisfied with the final speech and there's a youtube video uh of that speech so to me it was a very good real world result right mm-hmm. so now it's you're not in the safety of uh it was master's room where it's safe it's all good now now this is yeah this is a big crowd there were 350 people there right so it was yeah it was it was a very good real world result mm. yeah so those two i would say my first girlfriend and the the speech awesome uh, i want to be cognizant of time but do you have mm. time for a couple more questions because i definitely I really do want to get into definitely your facebook lives Okay. Yeah, awesome. I definitely do. Sure. So you you've done a I think a couple challenges. You did your I think it's 100. I don't know. There's a lot of Facebook lives <laughs> I've seen on your on your feed. Yeah. What what prompted you to to do those? The first one was marketing. Mm-hmm. Um so um I'm sure you know the challenge of of marketing your product or service right i think that's uh, 50% or more uh one of the the that's a big reason why most entrepreneurs fail is because they just don't take take marketing seriously right so you could be the best dating coach uh, in the world but if no one knows you you still be broke right? <laughs> so, <laughs> so i was like you know what uh, someone uh, women need need to know this and uh, the whole challenge of the facebook lives was to share my best content through video i was like you know mm-hmm. what i have this time uh, because i'm stuck home why not do these these facebook book lives so the main things i learned from them was one to just um the power of pressing play right mm-hmm. because sometimes i didn't know what i was going to speak about but i was like no what i have committed to this challenge and sometimes it was just as simple as trusting that i would would figure out what would come through and so some of my my facebook lives would be i would would hit record and i would start off with you know uh, today is uh, friday march 12 right super super basic but then you know i would come i would start talking uh, about something that that was relevant right so i think um, i learned a whole lot about trusting that the creative flow shows up once you have taken that step to to hit the re- record button and not before mm. so you so you could see creativity as as waiting are you willing to hit record once you do then i will show up 
and not before. So that was a huge thing. Yeah, that was a big one. And then I created so much content that I have at least five to like 10 courses that I now want to create. So that, that's, that will, will take me a few more years to, to get those uh, courses then. Was yeah. it tough to be consistent? Because I think for me, one of the most the most challenging parts would be to like, oh, I don't really feel like like it today, or I don't want to, I don't want to do it. Even though it is like it's, you're right. It's a pretty simple. You just hit hit play and and you do it. But there is again, yeah. yeah. There's all that fear and anxiety. I don't have anything to say. I, you know, it wouldn't be too bad to skip a day. Did you have any of that come up or? Or were you confident enough that you were able to just hit record and and know that something would come out and it would be okay? Yeah, um, I think I I had done uh, so many uh, thirty day challenges by that point. I pretty much knew that I would make it through the first. 30 days Mm -hmm. right so uh, that was a path that I knew could be done because doing 30 day challenges is also a skill Mm -hmm. (laughs) so I knew that uh, some prior planning so I had planned out when I wanted to get them done by, and they were a to-do list on my daily checklist. Mm. So, so that's one one simple way to actually increase your success is to just have it on your daily to-do list, right? Uh, and for me, I made it pretty simple. I was like, I have to speak for a minimum of just five minutes. Simple. So, mm. as long as I speak for five minutes that's fine right so you depending on on what your skill level is with with 30 day challenges make sure to define it it, uh, it well right so your brain has some specific measures to to reach right so now once i hit that that minimum five minutes i i was now way more relaxed because I had got the, the video for the day done. So once the first 30 days passed, then I was like, you know what, let's see how far I can go. And I went up to 109 days, 109 days, which was, which to me was pretty good. It was pretty good. Mm-hmm. And I stopped because it they did not get the attraction, right? I was not getting so, so, so many views mm-hmm. and as many questions uh, from women. Um, so I was like, you know what, this is this was good, uh, but a big a big part of challenges is knowing when to stop. Mm. <laughs> it's knowing when to stop. So, right, if it's not, if you're not uh, feeling it, and if you want getting the bang for your buck or for, for your time invested, then it means you, sh- you should stop and rethink what you're doing. Mm. 
I still think 107 days. That's that's very impressive. So yeah. congratulations. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> I, I want to wrap it up with one last question. And this is a question I ask all my guests. And that right. is, what uh, is your favorite book or a book that you like to gift a lot? My favorite book, I guess, um, in terms of impact. Okay. So, I mean, I could name like, 20 yeah you, it's a common I guess, problem <laughs> i guess the book that uh, made the biggest practical impact on my uh my life was the book by my dating coach the book is called mode one mode one mm. let the women know what you're really thinking mm. let the women know what you're you're really thinking it really changed my entire mindset my strategy of dating as yeah so that that's what i mean it's not it's not well known uh i'd be surprised if any of your listeners has uh heard of this book but in terms of, of having the biggest uh impact yeah that would be uh, my my main one and what was sorry what was your coach's name again uh alan roger uh curry okay. a-l-a-n alan roger curry okay yeah we'll yeah. link that in the show notes sounds great Joe. all right well Aaron, thank you so much for being on the show. It was really a pleasure, so much fun to reconnect with you. Uh, so much great information, no matter where you are in your life. I think that you had yeah, so much good stuff to say and uh, so many good takeaways. For people who want to reach out to you, who perhaps want to hire you, where is the best way to get in contact with you? I would say uh, the best two ways would be through LinkedIn or Facebook. I'll, uh, I'll send you the, the links to, to, to both those profiles. And uh, yeah, don't have uh, a website just yet. Uh, that's in the works, but my Facebook and LinkedIn will be the, the best ways. Perfect. Well, thank you so much again for being on the show. Same here, Joel. And um, I would say I would uh, end with podcasting is a skill too. <laughs> and this is one of the very, this is, is one of my my very first ones. Yeah, this, I, I have not done many. So thank you so much for your invite and for your your very thoughtful questions and for for holding the space for me. Yeah, I think you you did that re- really well. Thank you. Awesome. Thank you for listening to Publishing for Profit. Please like and subscribe on iTunes, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.